Well, hello, Crossroads. It's good to be with you today. Excited to dig into the Word of God. And uh, we're addressing this question as we have all throughout this series, right? We've come with these questions, questions that obviously uh, we have challenges with, uh, questions perhaps that we're, we're wondering and we're asking. Um, they may be questions like, uh, what do I do during the coronavirus pandemic, right? Uh, they may be things like, can I lose my salvation? To which the answer is no. They may be questions like, um, during you know, this time, is this the end of the world, right? And we come with these questions, right? And we have this you know, asking for a friend kind of an attitude often. And here we come today with a very similar question. How do I know God's will for my life? And I think this question in, in true and honest form, right? Uh, a lot of times we're asking it because we genuinely want to know, right? What the will of the Lord is. And I also think we come to this question um, maybe complicating it far more than we should, right? Uh, this makes me think many times of uh, our staff because a lot of times, you know, our staff gets together and, and we want to have lunch. And as a staff, as complex as it should not be, um, deciding where to go to lunch can be a really challenging thing. Now, if you're asking myself or Pastor Jesse, there are obviously things that come to mind when we say, hey, where are we going to go to lunch, right? I think of Pancho's Tacos, right? It comes right off the list. And yet, sometimes when we're gathering as a staff, it takes way too long to get to an answer, right? I think sometimes we treat the will of God in the same way, right? We come with opinions and ideas and thoughts instead of submitting to the answer that God has for us. And so um, as we think about this, I think one thing that we should do every time we think about questions that we have for the Lord is to allow him to speak. And the beautiful thing is God has spoken, right? When we come with these questions, God has given us answers. He has told us, he has made known his will. And so when we ask the question, how do I know God's will for my life? What we should see is that when scripture speaks, when the Bible speaks, when the word of God speaks, God does speak. He does have answers to our questions. And sometimes those answers may not be the answers we want. Sometimes those answers may not be the answers we expect, but his answers are always good. And so if you will, um, begin with me thinking about uh, the idea of wisdom. Because when we think about the will of God, right, when we think about what it means to do the will of God and to follow the will of God, the answer does not have to be as complex as we often make it. See, there's this important word found all over the Bible. Uh, in the Hebrew, it's chokmah, and it means um, really living life God's way, or, or um, actually taking skills from life in accordance with Yahweh, right? Where we take these, these, not just ideas, not just principles, but literally the words of God, God's ways for life, we allow them to transform everything that we do. See, God is concerned with his will, right? He is concerned with his will, his will not to maybe decide which house we buy or concerned with which job we accept or which college we will attend, but rather he is concerned with making us more like his son, forming us ever more into the image of Christ Jesus. And so we're gonna be in Proverbs chapter three today. If you will, 
Um, Go ahead and turn there with me, Proverbs chapter 3. And uh, we're going to focus on verses 1 through 12. Let's read that. Uh, My son, do not forget my teaching, uh, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Then it says, be wise, uh, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And as we open this passage, let us uh, go to the Lord um, as he leads us to hear his word. Let's pray. Father, um, as we open your word, God, we pray for wisdom, uh, wisdom that comes from you, uh, not some generic form of wisdom, Lord, um, but true wisdom, wisdom that comes from you, the Father of lights. And we pray that as we seek after you, as we seek after your wisdom, we would take uh, the skills for life in accordance uh, with your word and put them to practice, to live them out. Instead of coming to you with questions, uh, which is not a bad thing, um, we can um, often think, oh, maybe God doesn't want to answer my question. He has. You have, Lord. And we thank you that you answer our questions. I pray all this in your name. Amen. As we continue to look at Proverbs 3, there's a couple things we need to keep in mind. Uh, Proverbs is, is one of my favorite books in the scriptures, and uh, it begins by talking about what wisdom really is rooted in. It's rooted in a walk through life with the Lord, right? Um, Proverbs 1, 7 is something that we should keep in mind, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fools despise um, discretion. And so we, we need to think about the fact that wisdom begins with God. Notice what it says in this text, right? My son, it says, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And here's the beautiful thing about this passage. You'll notice a pattern as we walk through it. That first thing, that's a call. That's a command. That's what the Lord is calling us to do, to put to practice his wisdom. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And then there's a promise attached to this command. For, in verse two, length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. See, this exposes us to the type of covenant blessing that comes with walking in faithfulness to the Lord, to Yahweh, to the God of the Bible, the triune God of the Bible. There is a promise that when we walk in the Lord's ways, we will experience blessing. Not necessarily what the world would define as blessing, but blessing that comes from knowing the Lord. And so, if you will, keep this kind of big idea in mind, all right? When we seek the Lord's wisdom, we continue to know the blessing that comes with following the Lord. Don't miss that. 
when we seek the Lord's wisdom, when we pursue after the Lord's wisdom, when we run after the Lord's wisdom, we continue to know the blessing that comes with following the Lord. See, in following the Lord, in putting God's wisdom to practice, in asking the question, how do I know God's will for my life? And the answer being, seek the Lord's wisdom. We see that in these first four verses. We are to seek after the Lord's wisdom. There's a promise attached to that. Remember, it says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Jump down to verse three. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. See, this exposes us to the first answer we get to this question. How do I know God's will for my life? How can I know what God wants me to do, who he wants me to be, how he wants me to grow? What does God want from me? Well, here's the thing. Answer number one, seek the Lord's wisdom. It says, my son, do not forget my teaching. Instead, we are to be the types of people who let our hearts keep God's commands. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. See, it's exposing us, this text is exposing us to the fact that when we come to a decision in life, we should be seeking after the Lord's wisdom. And uh, I don't know about you, there's certain things that I'm good at remembering, and there's certain things I'm good at forgetting. Uh, I'm really good with names, um, but I'm terrible at remembering where I've put my phone or my keys or my wallet, right? My mom actually got me this thing called a tile because she knew exactly how often I forget things like my phone. I forget things like my wallet. And here it says, do not forget my teaching. This isn't just some generic form of teaching, all right? This is not just some worldly wisdom that people offer up. It's not like my dad saying, hey, Ryan, when I'm a kid, don't eat yellow snow. It's not the same thing, right? It's not the same thing as my mom saying, hey, Ryan, when you go on that first date with a girl, right, be a gentleman, right? Hold the door open for her. Mom and dad, those are wise things to say, and I am thankful for them. But this, when it says my son, we should not just see this as some generic father-son, mother-son relationship. This is Father God delivering to us commands of wisdom, enabling us to walk in his ways. This is God telling us how to live life. And if we want to remember things, if we don't want to forget the Lord's teaching, we must seek after them. And you and I, we seek after things all the time, sometimes purposefully, uh, sometimes not purposefully, right? Um, Sometimes we do it actively and sometimes we do it almost idly. This is not something we are to do idly. We are to seek after it. I think about some of those big decisions that we make in life, right? We seek after things that we want, don't we? Right? We run after things. We chase after things that we want. Right? Picture a cheetah. Right? When he is hungry, he seeks. He goes out full sprint after an antelope. Right? He wants to catch it. All right? Now think about our lives. Right? I don't know that we can all relate to that cheetah seeking after that antelope. But what we can relate with is when we want something, a lot of times we research it. We search for it. We hear reviews about it. Right? Think about buying a new car. When you want to buy a new car, I don't think a lot of us just step onto the lot and listen to the salesman, right? Most of the time. I think a lot of times when we're seeking after purchasing something of any kind, in this case a car, we research it, the type of model it is, how many miles it's expected to last, right? 
how many years we can have it for, what the miles per gallon is, right? We think about all these things. We research it. We look it up. We hear reviews from friends. Oh, that person has a Honda, and it, it lasted forever. Oh, that person had a Toyota, and it went a really long time. Whatever it may be, we research these things, right? And a lot of times, we treat decisions in life very similarly. Well, that's good, right? For buying a house, we should research it, right? If we're going to attend a college and we're going, which college do I attend? We should research it. But here's the thing. The thing that should drive and call out in us every time we come to a decision, uh, instead of complicating it and saying, okay, if, if I go to this college instead of this one, then I'm not living in the Lord's will. That's not the way the Lord's will works. God is less concerned about whether you attend Cedarville or Ohio State than being like Jesus. He's far more concerned with you being like Jesus on Cedarville's campus or Ohio State's or NC State's here in town, right? The Lord is more concerned with us being like Jesus and living out wisdom than where we happen to be. And I've faced decisions like that many, many times where I've thought, what is God's will for my life? And we often complicate the question and uh, I think about coming here to Crossroads. On June 8th, uh, it will be a full year since I've lived in Mansfield. My first day of work here was June 12th. And that's pretty exciting because um, that wasn't a, a decision uh, that, that happened without wisdom, right? Crossroads' decision to bring me to this place, I believe, <laughs> was rooted in the wisdom of God. People trying to seek, okay, who's the right guy for this position, right? We seek after the wisdom of the Lord, right? My decision to come here, I was thinking about, do I go home? Do I take a year off? Do I just work some normal job before becoming a youth pastor? What am I supposed to do, right? We wanna complicate the questions, right? It's not as if, if I had lived in Cincinnati or come to Mansfield, I was living outside of the will of the Lord. But whether I'm in Cincinnati or in Mansfield, whether I'm in Montana or North Carolina, Wherever I am, wherever you and I are, whatever we happen to be doing, we should be seeking the wisdom of the Lord. And here's the beauty of this passage. It says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. This is that covenant language we even see in Deuteronomy, where the Lord is telling his people, this is how dedicated you should be to seeking God's ways. You and I should be so dedicated to seeking the Lord's ways that it is as if his commands, his wisdom, his chokmah, the ability to live life God's way is written on our hearts. And then notice what the promise that comes with uh, verse one and verse three happens to be in verse two. It says, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And then it says in verse four, so you will find favor and good success and the sight of God and man. See, this I think should bring comfort and hope to those of us who are saying, how do I know God's will for my life? God's will for our lives is for us to live out his wisdom. And what comes along with that may not be the blessing that we want or expect out of life, but it is the blessing that comes with following after God. See, I think about that phrase, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. This is steadfast love that's rooted in the character of our God who is steadfast and in his love for us, who is faithful to us. God is calling us to do the same thing with him. And what are the results? 
We find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. When our character is rooted rather than in just generic faithfulness, but rather the wisdom of the faithfulness of God, we find success. And that success may not look like what you and I want or expect, but it is success. It is blessing, the type of blessing that comes from walking in covenant faithfulness to the Lord. Seek the Lord's wisdom. The passage goes on, verse five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Then it says in verse seven, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. See, this leads us to the second thing we learn when we're asking that question, how do I know God's will for my life? We must know that the Lord's wisdom is better than our own. We come to God saying, God, how do I know your will for my life? Well, he says, seek my wisdom and also know that my wisdom is better than your own. Notice what it says in verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him. See, this is demonstrating to us that our trust and our eyes and our lives should be fixed on the Lord. We don't lean on our own wisdom, we lean on the Lord's wisdom. That takes humility because we have to say to God, and maybe this is a prayer that you and I need to pray every single day, God, your wisdom is better than mine. God, you know far more than I do. God, the way you call me to live life is better than the way that Ryan wants Ryan to live life. That takes humility. Because then it says in verse seven, be not wise in your own eyes. I think we're all prone to being wise in our own eyes. I think we're all prone to think that our ways are better than the Lord's without us even acknowledging it. I think a lot of times we approach a decision and we rely more on our wisdom than we do on God's. Hey, you wanna know the will of God for your life? Be not wise in your own eyes. Instead, rooted in Proverbs 1, 7, fear the Lord. Walk in covenant faithfulness with God. View his wisdom as better than your own. And I was trying to think of an example of this, a human example that still falls short and yet reminded me of the type of humility that we must have in order to view God's wisdom as higher than our own. I recently purchased a house in Mansfield um, back in October. And let me tell you, it has taken some time to work on it. And I love my house. It's thebomb.com, all right? I love my house, but it's taken work and it is not finished by any means. And I stepped into this home knowing and deciding and really desiring that this would be a home that is a blessing for God. See, I searched out, I looked, I looked at a, a few houses and I thought, you know what? I think this house has a lot of potential. I love the neighborhood, the fact that I can walk around and meet people. I love the fact that it's an older home built in the 1920s, right? But in order to step into this home, there was a lot of work that had to be done. I'm handy about like two things, all right? And so I'm stepping into purchasing a home that needs a lot of work. Well, what does that mean? It means I have to say, Ryan, you are not able to do this on your own. And I'm gonna give a shout out to uh, Mr. Greg Crawfus because he has been a, not just a help, but his tutelage, his wisdom about building and restructuring and reframing a home um, uh, has been 
really helpful for me, to say the least. And so as you and I think about even the wisdom of God, I had to humble myself before Greg in order to learn from him, right? And there is so much more I need to learn. And I think that's the type of attitude that we should have with the Lord, right? Or we step into life and we say, God, I do not know what's best. But God, you created life. You made life. You designed life. Well, then I guess that means you know the best way that life is lived. I think that's the type of attitude that we should have before the Lord, where we step into decisions and we say, God, you know what? There's things I want out of this. There's things I want out of this home. There's things that I want out of my college experience. There's things that I want out of this new job. There's things that I want out of this new relationship. And God, I'm questioning your will for my life. And the Lord says, hey, all right, listen to my wisdom above your own. And notice, once again, there is blessing associated with allowing the Lord's wisdom to be above our own. It says in verses uh, six and in eight, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. See, when we follow the wisdom of the Lord, we don't have to worry about veering to the right or to the left, right? We actually get to live out the wisdom of God and with that, God straightens our paths. Once again, it does not mean that we get everything that we want out of life, but it does mean we know the blessing that comes with following the Lord. And then it says in verse eight, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. See, this promise that comes with following after the Lord, turn away from evil, is that we have healing to our flesh and refreshment to your bones. And here, this poetic device reminding us, when our flesh is healed, right, we feel good, right? When, when we do not feel good in our physical bodies, it stinks. It affects every part of our life. And this word picture here of healing to our flesh, refreshment to our bones should remind us of the type of covenant blessing that comes with following after Yahweh, following after the Lord. It's as if our, our flesh, right, when we, we know when our flesh is hurting, right? We know when our bones do not feel uh, refreshed. And yet we also can know the covenant blessing that comes with seeking God's wisdom, with humbling ourselves in a way that says, God, your wisdom is better than my own. Then we come to verses nine and 10. And what we really need to see is that the call for us when we, when we ask the question, how do I know God's will for my life? Well, we need to seek the Lord's wisdom. We need to know that the, the Lord's wisdom is better than our own. And thirdly, we need to submit all things to the Lord. We need to submit everything to the Lord. Notice with me in verse nine, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Once again, a blessing after a command, a call, and then this covenant blessing that comes with following the Lord. See, we need to be the types of people who submit all things to the Lord. And I think this really helps us to uncomplicate the question of how do I know God's will for my life? See, on the one hand, we want to decide, hey, this is what I want out of life. We begin to seek things. Well, I think what the Lord calls us to do is actually seek his desires above our own, right? That's really important for submitting all things to the Lord. Notice it, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth. 
This isn't just the idea of tithing or giving, right? This is letting everything, every purchase that we make, every decision that we make, everything that we seek after be the Lord's. It means at all times, in all places, in all things, with all things, instead of asking the question, oh God, what is your will for my life? Maybe the question we should be asking is, how can I use what I'm doing or the way that I'm living to love God and love people, right? That's part of submitting everything to the Lord. Think of my house, right? When I came to that decision of which house should I buy, it's not as if I lived on Marion Avenue, I was living in the will of the Lord, and if I lived on Woodward Avenue, I wasn't. That's not the way the will of the Lord works. But when we come to which house I'm gonna buy, I have to look at it and say, okay, maybe the question I should be asking is, which home is going to be best for me to um, share the gospel in my community, right? Which community has a lot of neighbors that like to walk around, that I can meet new people, learn their name, learn their face, learn their life, and then tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ? Instead of saying, God, how do I know which house to buy? Maybe the question we should be asking is, can in this place, can I disciple people, right? A home, I'll tell you, is a lot better at discipling a group of students uh, around a Bible study than my tiny little apartment would have been, right? Uh, a, a home is a lot better place to um, find a, a, a place where we can get together and share a meal than my apartment would have been. See, submitting all things to the Lord is not an easy thing, but what we can do, instead of asking the question, how do I know God's will for my life? Perhaps the question should be, how can I best serve my community? How can I best disciple the people around me? How can I best be prepared for the future? See, when we submit all things to the Lord, there is a type of language the Lord uses, honor the Lord with your wealth. And some of us might say, well, I'm not wealthy, right? We might say, well, I don't feel wealthy. And yet, the call on the life of every single person, this isn't just some tithing or just some giving. This is allowing all things at all times and all places, everything that we own, we let it be God's. And then finally, we're led to the fourth uh, response that the Lord gives in verses 11 and 12 about how to know God's will for our lives. Once again, we must seek the Lord's wisdom, right? We must know that the Lord's wisdom is better than our own. We must submit all things to the Lord. And finally, we must humbly accept the Lord's discipline. Notice what it says in verse 11. My son, once again, that language, father to a son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And you know, one of my favorite things about seeing this in verse 11 and 12 is that love and discipline are extremely connected, right? I think of my parents. Um, there's been many times where we don't want, or perhaps this is just me, I doubt it's just me, where we don't want our parents to discipline us, right? We don't want to face the consequences for the mistakes, the sin that we have caused perhaps against a sibling, right? My sister and I, we used to get in fights from time to time, usually arguments, right? And sometimes she would, you know, pinch me and, and bite me and attack me, right? And I would just take it, right? I wasn't 
by any means perfect, but I had a problem with my words, right? The way that I spoke to my sister was not very kind. Whether I called her names or hurt her feelings by the way that I said something, the tone that I had, right? There were times where my parents had to discipline us out of love for us and so that really we might love one another, right? They called out in us our sin, our problem, our brokenness, right? And this discipline was actually an act of love for us on an even greater scale. This passage, it says, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Be not weary of his reproof. Why? Because the Lord reproves, the Lord corrects us out of love for us. See, he doesn't like, he doesn't, he doesn't want, he doesn't um, love our sin. He hates it. Right? The Lord hates our sin, and yet he loves us enough to cast sin out of us. As followers of Jesus, as people who want to pursue after God, the Lord continues to root out and uh, remove every fleshly thing as we are sanctified more into the image of Christ. And that takes the Lord's discipline, or he removes those broken things in us, those things that often we try to do to complicate even the will of God. See, I think the Lord's wisdom and the Lord's discipline really help remove some of the complications of asking the question, how do I know God's will for my life? Well, the answer is, once again, be like Jesus. The embodiment of wisdom on earth came in Christ Jesus, the Messiah. As he walked through life, Jesus didn't do uh, anything foolish, right? He walked in wisdom, completely delighting in doing the will of the Father. His goal, his chief aim was to be pleasing to God. He did something for us, the righteousness of Christ for us, that is very juxtaposed to our foolishness. The righteousness of God on one side and the foolishness of of us on the other. See, we are people who run to foolishness and yet Jesus was righteousness for us. And that's the beauty of the gospel. It's the beauty of this text that the Lord, when we put our faith in Christ Jesus, he saves us and then he begins to sanctify us until one day he glorifies us. And part of his sanctifying work is that we would be disciplined, we would be reproved, we would be corrected by the Lord. Because there are times in life when you and I, we want to do life our own way. We don't view the Lord's wisdom as better than our own, right? There are times in life where Ryan decides in a heart of idolatry that he wants to do life his way. And yet once again, over and over again, we've seen in this passage that the correct action, the correct move is to say, God, your wisdom is better than my own and therefore I'm going to seek it. And that also means that I'm gonna humbly accept the Lord's discipline. See, the Lord sees in our hearts, hearts that are prone to idolatry. Or when we come to decision-making, the Lord knows we want what we want instead of wanting what he wants us to want. Let me explain that. God knows that our desires in our flesh, right, they war within our souls. He knows we want certain things out of life. And here's the beauty of walking in covenant relationship with Jesus. We, our desires, begin to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. That means not just our actions, 
our, not just our attitudes, not just our thoughts, but even our will, what we want most out of life, the longer and the more intentionally we seek after the Lord's wisdom, the more we want what God wants us to want. That's the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of this, this God who through the Holy Spirit lives inside of our hearts and says, hey, when you come to a decision, you know my will. Seek the Lord's wisdom. View my wisdom as better than your own. We can come to decisions and know that the Spirit is calling us to live out the wisdom of God. And once again, we come to crossroads of decisions, and I didn't do that on purpose, crossroads of decisions in life all the time where we wonder, what is God's will for my life? And I think perhaps a better question is, how can I glorify God? How can I live out the wisdom of God when I make this decision? The beauty of the gospel is that we begin to be transformed more and more and more into the image of Christ Jesus. That's a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing. Good news for every believer. And so as you and I think about what it looks like to live out the wisdom of God, to ask this question, how do I know God's will for my life? Let's bring that big idea up again. When we seek the Lord's wisdom, we continue to know the blessing that comes with following the Lord. See, the more we pursue after God, the more we seek him and his wisdom, the easier our decisions become. We don't have to, you know, say, I don't know which, God, which house God wants me to buy. For perhaps people who are pursuing relationships, we don't necessarily have to say, I don't know which girl to date, right? This one's super godly and this one's super wealthy. Which one should I chase after? I think the answer for that one's pretty clear, right? But there are times in life where we're confronted with decisions and we wanna say, how do I know God's will for my life? Well, his will for you and I is to be like his son who is the complete and perfect embodiment of wisdom. We seek after this wisdom, this wisdom, this chokmah, this, this taking the skills of life and living them in Yahweh's ways. When we're confronted with which college do I go to? We're confronted with which job do I take? Do I leave the current job that I'm in? Do I, I take this new job? Or when we're confronted with the decision of, of where I'm gonna live or, hey, listen, and I say this to myself as much as I say it to all of us. Listen to the wisdom of God. He is far less concerned with where we live or what restaurant we're eating with. And he's more concerned with being, with us being like his son in all places, at all times, with all things, in every single moment. Instead of asking the question, Lord, what is your will for my life? We can say, okay, God's will for my life is to be like his son, to be wise. And that leads us to different questions. Okay, so if I'm supposed to be wise in this moment, what does true and real godly wisdom look like? Well, we better be familiar with God's book, the scriptures. We better be familiar with what the character, the person and work of Jesus really is. And then when we come to a decision, Instead of saying, how can this perhaps be advantageous to me? We can say, how can this be used as a blessing for the Lord, for people, 
for our neighbors, for our communities, for people all around us, for our church? How can I begin to look more like Jesus in every single decision that I make? Will you pray with me? Father, um, we're thankful for wisdom that comes only from you. Wisdom that far exceeds our own wisdom, Lord. You call us to um, ask for wisdom, Lord. Not with doubting, but with faith. That we might be the types of people who seek your wisdom, God. Who pursue after it. Who recognize and realize, God, your wisdom is better than our own. Who submit everything to you, God in all things, at all times, with all of our wealth, Lord, with all of our possessions, with all the stuff that we have in life, God, we say they are yours. And finally, Lord, we humbly accept your discipline. The fact that you reprove us, you groom us, you prune us, you correct us, and you help us to look more like your son. Amen.